Welcome to Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. Here we explore the training and development of America's leaders in the application of air power and the profession of arms. The views expressed are those of the hosts and do not reflect the official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome back to another episode of Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. I am Colin Slade. And I'm Reed Gann, and we're your hosts for Commission Ed. So Reed, last week we spent some time talking about the importance of the mission that the Air Force is involved in and our role as officers in the execution of that mission. And we've been approaching that discussion from the perspective of these are things that the Air Force values as outlined not only in General Goldfein's memo that we've mentioned previously, but also in AFI 1-1 and 1-2. So we're following those guidelines in this discussion, moving from mission first, as we covered last week, to the leading airmen and the people always piece of that for this week. Yep, straight from the guidance in Air Force Instruction 1-2, paragraph 3.2. At all times, officers must lead by example and pay judicious attention to the welfare and morale of their subordinates. This is the second half of that mission first people always, and it's critical we get it right. Yeah, so that we can get it right, I think it's important that we begin with defining some terms, especially this all-important topic that we talk about so much this idea of leadership. So let's get some basic definitions first. Reed, how do you personally, doesn't have to be any any sort of super official definition straight out of Webster's or any sort of dictionary, how do you define leadership? Leadership to me is both a perspective. It is also a legal position. I have a responsibility depending on what position I'm in to perform leadership functions, to inspire, to guide, and direct not only airmen, but the mission to making sure that we're getting done what we have to. I'm also ultimately responsible for the things that have been delegated to me as an authority to accomplish. Good. Now, can we simplify that down just a little bit and focus the definition of leadership to your relationship specifically with your airmen? Such a great question, Colin, because this is such a complicated mess of a situation, right? Being a leader, it's one of those things that we all know when we see it, but it may be a challenge to define. But when I think of leading airmen, I think of being an example, and I think of always being on parade, to quote General Patton, an officer is always on parade. What do I mean by that? Everything that you are, everything that you do contributes to this idea of the culture and the way that an Air Force officer should be, and put that in air quotes. And when that is done well, I think airmen will want to follow you. So that's what I think about when I think of you know, leading airmen. I don't know that there's a specific right answer to this, but I think that it is important that we 
look at leadership in these two very separate contexts. Yes, they go together. They are hand in hand. In many ways, they are inseparable, the leadership of the mission and the leadership of the people. But for the purposes of today's discussion, we need to focus in on the leadership of the people specifically. Was it you that said back in a previous episode that leadership is a gift from your people? It is. Yeah, that's definitely the way I've always viewed it is, yes, I may be in a position of legal authority giving me power, literal power from the Constitution to direct and manage the mission and the people that are involved in it. But the leadership that I want to be given is a gift from the people that choose to follow me, that I have earned that. And in some of the models of leadership, you know, perhaps we'll talk about it another time, that's a specific type of power. It's called referent power, where people respect you for who you are and what you represent and how they feel being around you when they choose to give you their followership. You know, that's straight out of power and authority lesson from both ROTC and OTS. But that made an impression on me because I think about that when I think of the great leaders I've had and some of the less than stellar leaders I've worked with. There are people I would get in line to take a bullet for and others that I don't want to follow to the all call they've just said I had to go to. So that's something I think about. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Reed. I think if I were going to go through the, the same exercise, if I were to define leadership in just a couple of words, in just a brief sentence, I would say that leadership is the act of getting people to do something or influencing them to do something that they would not or could not do on their own. And so there is still some of that mission aspect in there in that they these people are going to do something. But in absence of your leadership, they would not or they could not accomplish whatever the mission is. You as an officer, you as the leader of these airmen are the linchpin. You are the catalyst for the proper and full execution and accomplishment of the mission. That's one way that I like to think about it. And where I'm going with this, Reed, is that there is no one way to define leadership. It is such a massive problem, not problem, it's such a massive topic that people have been discussing and theorizing and contemplating and studying for millennia. And we're not going to solve it here in this single podcast episode, but it's good to get an idea of what some possible definitions of leadership might be. And I also think it would be valuable to, to explore here just for a little bit what the history of leadership is as far as it relates to, to the Air Force and us as officers in the Air Force. Yeah, I think that's great. And you know, I remember teaching a lesson at OTS, and one of the things I would do is, you know, on this exact idea of how big a topic this is and how, you know, even if I kept my students awake 
for 24 hours a day for the entire eight weeks. They're nowhere even near scratching the surface on this. You know, just go to Amazon or something, you know, another service where you could purchase books and just search leadership. There are millions of books written on this topic. So I'm going to quickly run us through the last 200 years worth of leadership theory as it helps us to understand how we've gotten to where we as Air Force officers and the Air Force as a whole view leadership and this idea of leading airmen. So back in the late 1800s, in in the early 1900s, this is really when Western leadership philosophy and leadership theory started to come about. And at the time, the idea of leadership was centered around people who were, quote, born leaders, people who were just born with the innate ability to successfully lead people to do things. They, they were able to have a, an impact on society at large. And the idea is that these people were able to achieve greatness and have a large impact and shape society through their actions, through their leadership. So that continued through the 18th century into the early 1900s and led to an eventual overall theory of what it is that the different traits or characteristics that these types of men, these types of leaders are able to exhibit. And if other people who weren't necessarily born leaders were able to exhibit those same characteristics or those same traits, that they would be successful leaders in their own right, even if it wasn't something that was natural to them or, or that they were born with. And this led to the idea that there is a, a cause and effect sort of relationship between those traits and then the results that you would get out of people. This sort of theory led business thought for the decade between 1930 and 1940, but eventually gave way to what became known as situational leadership. This took over in, in the 1970s, where the focus shifted away from traits that were found in a specific leader and to the abilities and behaviors in the followers. So still some of that cause and effect relationship was there, but the idea came forward that leadership is based on context, based on the follower, as opposed to the person who is the leader themselves. Meaning the way that you would lead someone who works on an assembly line and the types of behaviors that you need exhibited there is going to be a different type of leadership from what you would see, say, in an operating room. Very different situations, different types of behaviors, different types of skills. And so a different type of leadership would exist in those different situations. Also during this time, a renewed emphasis was placed on the relationships between the leader and the follower. That it wasn't just about the leader exhibiting specific characteristics, but they needed to get the buy-in and develop some sort of way of motivating their followers. So that continued for a number of decades, this idea of situational leadership, and eventually was replaced by 
what is now known as the full range leadership model or FRLM, which is what the Air Force now has adopted as its primary way of describing leadership. The full range leadership model takes us through a series or a spectrum of different types of leadership that move through laissez-faire type leadership, through transactional leadership, on through transformational leadership. And as you move through those different types of leadership, the leader becomes more actively involved in the relationship with the follower and the leadership style also becomes more effective. The FRLM was adopted by the Air Force in in the 2010s and has been the primary way of explaining leadership and theorizing about it in the Air Force for the last decade. The full range leadership model emphasizes the fact that leadership is dynamic, just like in the situational leadership from before. The type of leadership that you use, it will be based on the situation, will be based on the context, will be based on the followership, the the mission. All of these different variables have to be taken into account. And you as the leader must decide which type of leadership style to use based on those different variables in order to achieve mission accomplishment and the, the highest level of effectiveness that is available to you. Awesome rundown, Colin. Thanks for that review. You know, something that I that kind of came to mind as you were running through this history of the study of leadership, the first, you know, half of this history that you reviewed, it was very much focused on self. You know, what can I do to be a better leader? And not really considering very much the people that you need to lead and the way they viewed the situations. And I thought that was very interesting. And I find that you know, even with the students I had, a lot of them still had a lot of these ideas that leaders are born. It's something they are or aren't. And, you know, officer training school was the first time a lot of them had given any serious study to the idea of developing as a leader. And what are your thoughts on why that's the case? This idea that the, the great man or the trait theory has persisted so much in our, in our society. I think a lot of it has to do with the way media portrays our heroes, our celebrities, the people who are the quote unquote leaders. Just take a look at the Marvel universe, for example. Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers is a man among men. He is just naturally gifted. Never mind the fact that he's been injected by you know, radioactive material and has been turned into some superhuman person, but the personality was there to begin with. And then they just gave him the superhuman strength, but he was just born to be a leader. Same thing with Tony Stark, Iron Man, that he was just born a genius, that there was nothing he had to do in order to develop the skills of being a leader. It was just something that it was always there. So I think that media has played a large role in shaping the way that we consider or that we think about who leaders are or can be. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it kind of aligns with you know my thoughts, the way I've always thought about why this is, why do we still seem to be focused on this idea that's been 
pretty well outdated and, and proven antiquated a while ago. And it kind of centers around similar things, but a lot of you know marketing and the economy, how it drives us to products you know that espouse leadership. You know, I take a quick look at my bookshelf right now. Got a number of books up there that I've read that I've liked about leadership, and they very much focus on individual people, studying individual people. The Mission, The Men, and Me, Lessons from a Former Delta Force Commander by Pete Blaber, American Generalship, The Art of Command, Edgar Perrier, Band of Brothers, The War Memoirs of Major Dick Winters, uh, War as I Knew It by George Patton, The Call Sign Chaos by Jim Mattis, The Generals by Tom Ricks, Duty, uh, The Memoirs of a Secretary of War by Robert Gates. All of these you know, books that have meant something to me in my journey of trying to become a better leader have found, purchased, read, are very much centered on these ideas that stem from the great man or trait theory. Yeah, I like your list of books. I've got some of my own, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. Lincoln on Leadership by Don Phillips. The Autobiography of General Schwarzkopf, It Doesn't Take a Hero. My American Journey, another biography, this time on Colin Powell by Joseph Perisco. Good to Great by Joseph Collins. The Mark of a Giant by Ted Stewart. And the list could just go on and on and on. As you mentioned before, Reed, if you do a, a search on, on Amazon or on Google just for leadership books, there's no end in sight. There's no way that you could possibly read everything. And even if you did, there's no possible way that you could understand all of that information and fully internalize it and turn it into something. And so what I want to say here is that leadership of people, leadership of airmen is, it can be seen as a science, but the air force. And I think you and I would both agree that it's more of an art than it is a science. I mean, there are some sciencey things about it. There are theories and experiments that can be run in order to gain data and better insight into how leadership relationships, psychology works. But at the end of the day, leadership of airmen, leadership it really in any context really is an art form and it requires some creativity in order to get your people, get your airmen to do the thing that you need them to do that they wouldn't do on their own. And what this ultimately means is that you need to develop a habit of educating yourself, of reading and practicing and trying different things not just from leadership itself, but from a, a wide variety of disciplines to expand your horizons and better understand how the world interacts, how you fit in the world, how your people think, how they fit in the world. Recognizing that human relationships are messy at best. They are full of all sorts of known and unknown variables. And we are unable to completely lock down exactly 
how every single interaction is going to play out. And so leadership is not a science. It is an art form that you have to develop for yourself and go through this process of trying out various different things over and over and over again in, in all these different contexts with, di with different people and seeing what works. Couldn't agree more. It absolutely is. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about bullets and bullet writing and it only gets better with the doing. It's the same with leadership. It absolutely takes time and you need to be on that journey. This is not something that you can just decide, oh, today I have become a leader. I have met the mark or I've studied enough and now I know. The scientists and me and the engineer and you, you know, we think about this in mathematical terms and you just can't, you can't put it into a nice tidy equation that makes everything happy and good. So it's got to be something that you put the work into every situation, every person is going to be different and you need to develop as many tools as you can to be ready when, when those times arrive. So Colin, I know I kind of hinted at it, but when and how does this journey begin and how can people know when they've arrived at the destination? The journey begins now, right now. You have to accept that in the situation that you are in at this moment, you are some type of leader. You are exerting some type of influence on the people around you. And you need to become fully aware of that and become purposeful about those interactions. Something that will help you with that is exactly what we've described just previously is starting to study leadership, studying it through books, studying it through the examples of other people around you, going into a leadership training program such as Air Force ROTC, Officer Training School, the Air Force Academy, or some other professional leadership development program, that type of thing will help you to flesh out your own personal definition and philosophy on leadership and give you the structured practice and application of leadership principles. Exactly. This is something you got to do and you need to start now. Another part of this idea of how do I become a leader? How do I improve as a leader? A really, really important part of this is assessing self. You need to look at yourself very critically. Where am I? What kind of person am I? How did I react in that situation? Was that appropriate? What is my motivation? What gets me excited? What am I good at? What am I not good at? Those types of very critical, introspective questions need to be a regular part of your leadership development. Some tools that I've used to help me with these, there is so much to do. Life is very noisy. So I will find situations, times, places to find silence. Maybe perhaps instead, and I'm, I wouldn't advocate this too strongly, instead of listening to a podcast on your way to work in whoa, the morning. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. <laughs> hang on with me here. Hang with me here. Maybe for a few minutes a day or maybe just once a week or so, don't have the radio on. Just drive in your car in silence for 10 minutes and see where your mind goes and see if you can see if that can have an impact on your life. Perhaps a prayer or meditation or a walk in the woods or some other 
opportunity to find silence. And I've found that to be very helpful as I try to assess self. Where am I? Who am I? Am I the right kind of person, right kind of leader that I want to be? Another thing that can help is journaling or in some other way, making a record of the daily activities or the week or the month or however you want to do that. But think deeply, sit in silence, give your mind the opportunity to look inwards and see where you are. Yeah, it's interesting that you you mentioned the the drive in silence. That's actually something that I enjoy quite regularly because just as you are saying, I need that time to reflect on me. I need to ponder deeply on who I think I am against who I really am and who I want to be. And it's really only in those moments of silence that I'm able to gather my thoughts clearly and arrive at answers, arrive at conclusions. Yes, podcasts like this one will provide you excellent information and actionable items for you to to work on. The books will provide you great information, great insights, great stories to help you work on that that self-assessment. But ultimately, you do have to go through the, the difficult and somewhat uncomfortable work of sitting with your own thoughts, working through them, and arriving at a conclusion. If you're just going through this process of letting others tell you what you're good at and what you're not good at, what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, then you're missing something. You are not involved in the process. You are letting other people dictate to you who you are or what you can be. You need to be much more self-critical on that. Be personally involved in your own development. Absolutely agree. But I do think we also shouldn't completely discount or discredit what others assess of us. I think sometimes that criticism can be the most blunt and reveal us to a large degree. So that feedback is always good. Oh yeah. Obviously we're not going to be a leader in a vacuum, right? That doesn't work because you have to have a relationship with other people. There have to be other people involved in this process. Otherwise there's no leadership. There's no followership taking place. So yes, absolutely. We need the feedback from other people. Excellent. Well, Colin, I think it might be a good idea to go through a couple examples from our careers to kind of show times that this has been done well, times this hasn't, and to kind of show folks, you know, this is a journey and it's time to get on the path and start trying to be a better leader. I'll just get the ugly right out of the gate first. So I've got an example of a time where I used the wrong leadership tool and it had disastrous consequences. This is one of those really not proud of this moment in my career. It'll be a little disjointed. I I can't give too many details trying to protect the innocent here. But the bottom line is I had an airman who was struggling with some aspect of their airmanship. And it was something that I did not struggle with. And the tool I chose to employ was from the full range leadership model. I remember having this conversation with myself like, oh, this is easy. I know exactly what tool to use in this situation. It's called the idealized influence. Colin, could you give our listeners just a quick idea of what 
idealized influence is when we talk about the full range leadership model? Yeah. Idealized influence comes from the transformational spectrum of leadership. The idea here is that you are setting the perfect example to your followers of the type of behavior that you want to see in them. Awesome. Thanks. Great rundown. So this was my tool of choice. And I decided to become the perfect example of airmanship in this specific category. And I thought, surely this airman will see my amazing example and fall in line and all will be well. It didn't work out that way. Instead, this airman continued to fall short of the expectations and the standards required of, a, of an airman and ended up leading to one of my best troops and one of the best troops in our entire COCOM in this person's career field being asked to leave the Air Force. So we were in PACOM at the time. He had won an award in his career field for the entire combatant command. So he was the number one airman in our entire geographic combatant command. PACOM's, I don't know, about half the planet. It's kind of a big deal. And it was shortly after winning this award, well-deserved, one of the best we had, that he was asked to leave the Air Force. And that's not a fun thing to go through when one of your people is asked to leave because of failure to meet standards and you have to you know, process them out. I mean, you're talking about, well, you know, do you have a plan to pay the bills? Do you have a home? You know, all those types of things, you know, as you, as you kick them out. And I finally got up enough gumption to ask, you know, what I could have done better. And it turns out that my intent, which was to demonstrate excellence, turned into a demotivating factor. My thoughts were, oh, if I just show them how it can be done, maybe that will motivate them to get them to get their poop in a group and figure this out. And instead, the attitude this airman took was, I could never do that. I could never be that good. So they stopped trying. So completely opposite reaction to what I was intending. And aside from really difficult situation for everybody involved, for me, personal failure. But the thing that it really taught me is I can't choose my leadership tool based on what I think is best. I need to think about it from the perspective of the people I'm trying to influence, the people I'm trying to lead. I need to put it in the context of them versus the context of me. Oh, this is something I'm good at. I will do this. It's like, no, hang on. What is it that they need? You know, that, that was a big learning lesson for me. I need to look externally first as I try to pick which leadership tool I need to employ in a certain situation. Yeah, I really like this example. As sad as it as the end result was that we lost one of the Air Force's best and brightest. But what it is an example of is that even what we tout as the most effective types of leadership, that transformational leadership side of the FRLM, is not always the right answer. It is a spectrum that there are times where transactional leadership or even laissez-faire leadership in some circumstances is the right answer for that airman or for that uh, specific mission. And I love how you put it there, Reed, is that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about the officer. It is about the type of leadership that is needed by that airman, by that unit, by that mission. 
And it is your responsibility as an officer in the Air Force to be able to adapt to that, to recognize what is needed in that situation and provide it so that you can be that influence for those people to get them to do the thing that they would not do otherwise on their own. So thank you for, for sharing that example. You ready for one of mine? Yes. Can it be a pick me up, please? Sure. I, I will do my best. Sounds good. I, I, need a, I need a good news story right now. So there I was. Where were you? <laughs> I was inverted. Not really. <laughs> Top Gun reference for all of our very young listeners. Are you excited for the new, Navy, uh, the new Top Gun movie to come out? Shamelessly, yes. Okay. I'm excited for that to come out next year and you know, spend some time dissecting it. Yep. Shamelessly excited. Go fast. Kill stuff. Win. Go Air Force. Even though it's a Navy movie, it's a great recruiting tool for the Air Force. But go Air Power. All right. So I was a lieutenant and I had just been made a flight commander. And I was coming into a flight that did not have a superintendent. So real quick, a superintendent of a flight is typically a senior NCO, an enlisted member who has been promoted to E7 or above, master sergeant or above. And my flight did not have one as I was coming into it, except that simultaneously with me being assigned to this position, the master sergeant promotion list came out. And there was a tech sergeant in this flight who had, for lack of a better way of explaining it, burned every bridge that existed within that flight. They were coming up on their 20 years. They were getting ready to retire. I think that they had already dropped paperwork in order to retire, if I remember correctly. But they had been in long enough. They had been a tech sergeant long enough and they had scored, I guess, well enough on their test for master sergeant that lo and behold, they got selected for promotion to master sergeant. Well, what that ended up meaning was that this individual became my flight superintendent. This person who had burned every bridge who had forsaken every relationship within this flight that they had been a part of for a number of years because they didn't care anymore because they were planning on leaving, they were planning on retiring, was now going to be in charge. I mean, they could have retired, but that would have meant being retired as a tech sergeant instead of as a master sergeant. And so they chose to take the promotion, which meant that by default, they became flight superintendent. And so I had to deal with their baggage as I came into this new position. And let me tell you, it, it, was, it was tough. It was hard. It, was, it required that I spend much of my time contemplating on my own and conversing with them directly on what it was that they needed in order to be successful. What it ultimately came down to is that this individual did not feel safe. For whatever reason, this person did not feel safe. They did not feel like they could trust themselves. They, did, they could not trust the people around them, could not trust family or friends or anybody, except very few specific people that were not in that flight or in, on that base. 
And so what we had to do was come up with a plan, a way of building safety for this person. And that was not necessarily me being an idealized influence for them, you know, setting the, the example for them. Though I, I would like to think that I did, you know, being an example of how to, you know, trust yourself and the, the people around you. It wasn't so much that I was being an inspirational motivator, which is another one of those transformational leadership types or intellectual stimulator. But really what I was doing was exhibiting individual consideration for this person. I was seeing them for who they are, for their specific needs, the things that they hope to accomplish as a superintendent, as a master sergeant, as an airman, until they were ready to retire. Now, unfortunately, Reed, I am unable to tell you whether or not the story ends well, because just a few months later, I got deployed. And by the time I got back, that individual was gone. Because of their promotion to master sergeant, they got PCS'd to a new location, and I've lost contact with them since then. But my hope is that by these conversations, by determining what it was that this master sergeant needed, that I was able to set them up for success and get them to a place where they could be right with themselves, where they could start to be right with the airmen around them, and hopefully right for the Air Force. I don't know if they are still around or not. Maybe this person is a senior master sergeant or a chief now, which would be excellent. Or maybe this person came to the realization that they needed to leave the Air Force, and that's okay too. I hope that this example shows another type of leadership, another way of engaging with your airmen, leading the airmen specifically, not necessarily focusing on leading the airmen for the execution of the mission, but focusing on that person as the individual, as the airman that they are. Yeah, thanks, Colin. I think that's a great story, you know, especially because it was so focused on the airman, right? Not on the leader. And it highlights that key difference, right? Between what I was doing incorrectly, totally focused on the leader versus focusing on the airman. And, you know, I think it might be a good time to, to wrap this up. This is a tough, tough thing. This is not a destination. It is absolutely a journey. Learning to lead is going to require time. It's going to require effort. It's going to require serious reflection about who you are and what you're doing. It requires you to invest time in getting to know your people, getting to understand who they are, what motivates them, what are their challenges, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, and figuring out the right way to make sure they can get to the destination that they're headed to and start the journey now. This is not something that you can just decide to turn on or off. It begins the day you decide to join this journey as an airman and at every level. You may not even be in charge of any single person and you are a leader. People will look at you. They will see you. They will hear you interact with others. Every email you write, every greeting of the day you give all forms that baseline of who you are and how others will interact with you. So get on the path, start the journey today. Yeah. And let's call out the fact that this is not just for people who are outside of the Air Force looking to join it 
and go through a commissioning program and become an officer. We are talking to people who are already officers in the Air Force. We are talking to company grade officers, field grade officers. We are even talking to general officers. They need to continually develop their leadership too. Now, granted, you and I are not at their level. Nope. But even so, a general officer is still on this journey. They still need to continue to develop their leadership abilities because you are never done. You will never get to the point where you can say, I have arrived as a leader. I am now a leader. It doesn't work that way. So whoever you are, wherever you are in this, in this journey, whether you're outside the Air, the, the Air Force, whether you're in it, we hope that this information is useful to you. We hope that it will reignite that fire, that desire within you to improve your leadership skills specific to your ability to lead airmen. Yes, we want you to take care of the mission. The Air Force needs you to execute the mission, mission first. But you also need to be a leader of airmen because that is what the Air Force values. And that is how we are ultimately all going to accomplish the mission together. Anything else you want to say there, Reed? No, I think that's it, man. All right. We'll leave you all there. We hope that you have enjoyed this discussion and that you will also take the opportunity to join with us in the discussion, which you can do in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Air Force Officer Podcast. You can share your thoughts there, define leadership, what it means to you, and get us all involved in helping each other become better leaders. If you have any questions, you can send those to Air Force Officer Podcast at gmail.com, or you can engage with us on social media platforms. And we would also be extremely grateful if you would share this episode with other people and or leave us a rating review on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Commission Ed. Thank you for listening to Commission Ed, the Air Force Officer Podcast. The views and opinions of the authors expressed herein do not state or reflect those of the U.S. government and shall not be used for advertising or product endorsement purposes. Mention of any specific commercial products, process, or service by trade name, trademark, manufacturer, or otherwise does not necessarily constitute nor imply its endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by the U.S. government. The mention of companies by name is solely for the purpose of discussion and should not be implied as endorsement.